I absolutely love Easter. You're like, of course, you're a pastor. But I, mean, I, I do, I really do. Easter's great because everybody's looking good. Y'all look good. I haven't told you that today, but you look good. Secondly, not only do you look good, but today we've come and you're meeting some new people for the first time. Everybody, it, every time, every Easter, some new faces walk through the door and it's awesome to get to meet new people. I don't know about you, but I always enjoy meeting new people, hearing new stories. I love Easter. I love Easter because it's high stakes. And you're thinking, that's, I never thought about it as high stakes, but I want you to consider this for, 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 for today and this morning. That this is a high stakes time. Because we are confronted, yet again, with the fact that Jesus is risen. And that's, the, that's what the church proclaims, that's what the Bible proclaims. And we have to take that and look at it and say, do we believe it? And if we do, it changes everything. And if we don't, it also changes everything. In fact, there was a guy by the name of C.S. Lewis who wrote this. And I have this quote up there for you. And this is going to be, he, he, he wrote this. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. But if true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it can't be is moderately important. And I believe that. Because either Jesus is a lunatic who said he was God, and all of his, all of his disciples have drank the Kool-Aid and saying that, that he's risen from the dead. And we, 2,000 years ago, we believe that a, carpenter, a Jewish carpenter who was crucified 2,000 years ago has somehow affect on our sins now in 2018, if he is not risen, then we're following a lunatic who claimed to be God. And you go down to Nashville tonight and go on Broadway, and you can hear somebody who's either smashed out of their gourd or way out of it, and they'll be like, and they might proclaim they're God. You wouldn't believe them, would you? I wouldn't. I was down there, I was down there Friday night. I'm going to believe anybody, any, anything anybody says on Broadway, okay? Just don't do it, all right? That, that, that is a, that's, that's craziness. And that's the thing. Christianity is based on this fact. Everything hinges on this about Christianity. Is Jesus raised? If he is not, then this is all pointless. But if he is, it's of infinite importance. Because who gets up from the grave? Nobody. Except for something has to be going on. And then it, it validates all the things he claimed, all of the things he said, he, all the things he said about God, all the things he did, all the miracles. It validated because of the resurrection. But there's one thing it can't be. It's moderately important. There's no, there's no way that this is moderately important. There's no way you'd be like, yeah, a man's risen from the dead and he claimed to be God and showed himself to be God, but I can just go about my life as normal. It can't be that. It's either of no importance and we should just shut the doors because it's not true or it is true and it's of infinite importance. This way where we got kind of in the middle is not, not where we need to be. Have you ever seen Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? That's an old show, I know. But do you remember what they would do? You answer these questions, you get them right. You go up the, up, up the ladder and at the end of it, you got a, a chance to answer a question for a million bucks. That's pressure, Right? You ever, you ever just blanked on something, even somebody's name? I've blanked on my child's name before. I've blanked on my wife's name before. I'm like, mm, 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 Amy, can you imagine if a million dollars was hanging on the line and you're sitting in that chair and all the whole studio audience is on you and you know this is going to be recorded and shown later and you're sitting there and you have to answer this one question. If you get it right, you get this reward. If you don't, you leave with squat. But let's say, you know what? I think they should bring the show back and make it a little more interesting, raise the stakes a little bit. Not only do you lose the million dollars if you miss the question, 
you lose your house. You'd watch that, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, they zero out your bank account and take your thing. You either get a million bucks or you get, like, nothing. That would raise the stakes, wouldn't it? Somebody's going to do that. Mark Burnett or one of those guys from Survivor, they're going to put this on the air, okay? That's going to happen. You'd watch that because of the high stakes. Why don't you think about this? This is the same. This question about Christianity is just as important. You get it wrong, you miss everything. You get it right, you get everything. And I think C.S. Lewis, when he, was, when he posed this question, if Christianity is false, or this statement, if Christianity is false, if it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it can't be is moderately important. When he said that, I think he's echoing the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In fact, 1 Corinthians, and this is just after the passage I read during communion about Christ being raised and his appearance to all these people. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12, he, Paul says this, and if you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen for you. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So obviously, this letter is written to people. There are some in this church that are saying Christ is not raised from the dead, or that there is no resurrection from the dead. And Paul's saying, if there's no resurrection of the dead, Christ is not raised. In verse 13, it says this, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Then verse 15, he starts to say, if Christ has not been raised, if Christianity is false, Jesus is not raised, Here's the ramifications of that. Here's what it means. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. We are found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. And if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And so he outlines six things, and I want to show you this. If Christianity is false, if Jesus is not raised, then Christianity is of no importance, and here's what it means. I want to show you this. Christ is not raised, the first thing it means, in verse 14 he says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. It means it's empty. It means it doesn't have anything in it. It doesn't have any power. It doesn't have any content. So here's the thing. If Christ isn't raised, then all, of what, I, all the, what the preachers are doing all this morning is just completely and utterly being windbag. We've gathered you to hear some windbags talk about something that's not true. We're like, hey, got nothing for you. Because here's the thing. It's either or. Jesus is either a lunatic or he's Lord. He can't be in the middle. He can't be this good teacher. He teaches morals. No, you don't want to learn morals from a guy who claimed to be God. Because that's a crazy person, if it's not true. What he said, he said a lot of weird things too. If you go look in the Bible, he said, if anyone wants to follow me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's crazy person talk. Okay? If he's not who he says he was, it's he's a nut. And we have nothing. So all the preaching that could happen, if he is not risen, it doesn't mean anything. It's empty. It's, it's got nothing in it. It's like, it's like picking up a piggy bank and nothing being in it. It's light. It's weight. 
It has no weight to it. And that's the thing. Paul says if Christ isn't raised, because all Christianity depends on Christ being raised. If Christ isn't raised, this is all for nothing. Secondly, preaching's in vain. He says this in verse 14 again. He says, and if Christ is not raised, then our preaching is in vain, and our faith is in vain. And down in verse 17, he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. So those two words, it means empty, without anything in it. There's no weight to it. There's no substance to it. There's not, there's no, even the moral teachings don't hold weight, because if Jesus is not God, then his moral teachings have no power, no weight to them, nothing behind them. And so Jesus, he, if, if he is not raised, then our preaching is in vain, and our faith is in vain. It's futile. Do you realize something? You can believe something really, really strongly and still be really, really wrong. Right? For example, you could believe you can fly. R. Kelly told us that I, he believes he can fly, okay? I can go back to Space Jam days. I believe I can fly. You've heard this song, don't lie, okay? <laughs> you just thankful I didn't get into more bars of that. Okay, let's say he took that literally. And he's standing on top of the Batman building down in Nashville. He's standing on the top, and he's like, I believe I can fly. R. Kelly, do you really believe that? I do, okay? I believe it. Okay, then jump. You can fly. What will happen to Mr. R. Kelly? He will <laughs> fly straight to the ground and be smooshed, okay? But he really believed it. You heard him sing it. I believe he can fly. It doesn't matter. If what you believe has no substance or validity to it or truth to it, it's, it's worth nothing. I just don't believe it. I believe this so strongly it's got to be true. No. You can believe things that are not true and still sincerely believe it but be sincerely wrong and mistaken. And Paul says this. If, we, if Christ isn't raised, we're preaching, it's foolishness. We have nothing to it. There's no substitute. If Christ is not raised, then all of our faith is in vain. But I just believe. It doesn't matter. If Christ isn't raised, there's no substance. There's no hope to our faith. There's no, no teeth to it. There's nothing. Christ hasn't been raised. If Christ hasn't been raised, he also says in verse 13 that we are misrepresenting God. In verse Verse 15, it says, we are found, if Christ has not been raised, we have been found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. And he says this, we've been telling everybody our preaching is like Jesus is raised. And so if we are saying Jesus is raised and he's the only way for sins to be forgiven because he's raised, if we're saying that about God and it is not true that Jesus is not raised, then what we're doing is lying about God or bearing false witness about God. So let's go back and even look at the Old Testament. Do you know one of the great 10 commandments, the top 10 things you're not supposed to do is to bear false witness. In fact, what exactly this term here is in the original language is to bear false witness about God. And so if we are saying, going around saying Jesus is raised and he's not actually raised, we're telling lies about God. And we're no better than those people that knock on your door or slip literature underneath there or put fake books in hotel rooms. If Christ isn't risen, we're just telling lies about who God is. And we're all left just like everybody else groping for truth and trying to figure it out. If Christ is not raised, our preaching's in vain, our faith is futile, we're telling lies about God, and it says in verse 17, 
Verse 16, it says, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. In verse 17, it says we are still in our sins. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If Christ is not raised, then his sacrifice on the cross did nothing to atone for sin. It did nothing to take away sin. It did nothing to cleanse sin. It was just a death like any other death because countless numbers of people had been crucified. Crucifixion was a normal part of everyday life in the first century. People were crucified. In fact, who was crucified with Jesus? Thieves and murderers. Crucifixion was something the Romans did to show that they were in charge. They would, they would crucify people and leave them outside the city so when you walked in, and you saw this person, and usually their death lasted a long time because they would suffocate. Most of the crucifixion's death came to exposure to the elements, dehydration, and suffocation. And as they would hang there, people would walk into the cities, and we know if we mess with the Romans and we break the law, this will happen to us. A little extreme for thieving, right? To be crucified, but that's how the Romans kept control of an empire that went over most of the known world. And if Christ is not risen then what we are talking about here is his death did nothing to atone for sins. He just died like every other criminal in the world at that time. Does nothing. And so that means this. You're still in your guilt. There's nothing to wash it away. Everybody has guilt and shame and sin. But if Christ isn't raised, there's no way to atone for it. You know what we're left with? But you're left trying to make sure our good outweighs our bad and thinking that that will somehow make us right with God. But we know that good deeds can't wash away the bad. It's like this. I let my son wear a white T-shirt to school one day. He's five. He came back and he looked like he had murdered a box of crayons. I didn't know what, it was like dirt and mud and blood. I mean, like, where? I was like, are you, this is like a, this is a brawl breakout in kindergarten? Why, are you, why do you look like this? Here's what it's like to try to cover your sins on your own. It's like you got a stain. So you know what you do to try to cover it up? Oh, I got ketchup. Put some barbecue sauce on there. It won't be as noticeable. Oh, man, I got, oh, now I got grease on my hands. Let's see. I'll take it away. You might cover the stain with more grossness, <laughs> even good things. I'm like, oh, I got some soap. Have you ever tried, or I've got some, have you ever done this before you're all dressed and you're brushing your teeth and then all of a sudden that one bit of toothpaste falls? You can't remove toothpaste. I think they paint the space shuttles with toothpaste because I mean, like, it doesn't like go away during re-entry and leaving, okay? Like it just stays there. You can't, it's an indelible mark. You, even if you use cleaner to get it off, it would be just a mess. You cannot cover that sin by putting more things on it. It must be cleansed, atoned for. And Jesus' death, Christianity claims it is an atoning sacrifice and the atoning sacrifice has to be married and coupled with the resurrection. If it's not, then all we're doing is saying that some Somebody died a criminal's death. It means nothing. And you're still in your sins. You've got to find a way to deal with the guilt. And if Christ is not raised, death is the final word. In verse 18, it says this, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. doesn't matter how firmly they believed in Jesus. If he's not raised, then they're dead. And if in Christ we have hope, in this life only we are most to be pitied. A man by the name of Stephen Hawkins passed away March 14th. 
Stephen Hawking was a well-known theoretical physicist. He suffered from ALS. Most people perish with ALS, but he lived about 40 years with it, confined to a wheelchair, and he talked through a computer um, and uh, a computer modulation thing. Stephen was known as an ardent atheist. And in regards to heaven and the afterlife, he wrote this. In regard to the brain as a com- I regard the brain as a computer, which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. That is a fair story. That is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. And I, honestly, if Christ is not raised, I agree with him. Why would you think there was hope if Christ is not raised? If Christ's not ready, it doesn't matter how hard you believe something, if you don't have anything firm to rest your faith on, then it would stand to reason that we're just machines, we're just animals, and that there's nothing to follow. I know our souls testify that that can't be true, but if Christ isn't raised, we have nothing to back it off, back it up on. Death is the final word. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ, if Christ isn't raised, those who have fallen asleep in Christ, no matter how firmly they believe it, if he is not resurrected, then it's all futile. They are just facing the abyss of nothingness, and they have no hope. Verse 18, finally, if Christ is not raised, our preaching is in vain, our faith is futile, we're misrepresenting God, we are still in our sins, death is the final word, and Christians are pitiful. You did not think when you came to church this morning that I was going to say Christians are pitiful. But Christians are pitiful if Jesus is not raised. Verse 19 says, if we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You know why? Because if this is all we got, we shouldn't be worried about telling about Jesus and living our lives. You know what? Living our lives morally and upright and following him. You know what we should be about? Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. And you face the abyss. Your computer's going to shut down. Get as much good as you got now because this is all you got. And if, and if, we're, if he's not raised and we're still trying to like tell people about Jesus and live moral lives and sacrifice, you know what we're doing? We're wasting the only time we have. Now, that's a bummer. That's a super bummer. I was coming here to Easter to get inspired. I really wanted to get just jacked up on Jesus juice. I just want you to think about this for a minute. You need to know the bad news because that makes the good news so much better. If Christ is not raised... Christianity is of no importance. But, oh, there's more. Verse 20 says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And you're like, he just proclaimed that. What evidence does he have to back it up? Well, if we go back to the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he has evidence. And there's so much evidence that Christ is risen and that our faith is not futile. And so I want you to see in verse 15 of, of, of 1 Corinthians, uh, or chapter 15, verse 3 of 1 Corinthians, Paul said this, For I delivered to you of utmost first importance what I also received, that Christ 
died for our sins in, the, in accordance with the scripture. So here's one thing that testifies that Christ is really risen. There are prophecies in the Old Testament that are, can only be filled and have only been fulfilled, made thousands of years beforehand, but were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The, all the acts that led to his death, everything was God predicted and come through. He all of his death, burial, and resurrection was predicted in the Old Testament, and it came true in his life. And so Christ has died. The scriptures testify it. He called it. We can't call anything. How many of you have done a March Madness bracket? Who'd have thought Loyola of Chicago would make it to the final four? No one. You can't call basketball games. He called thousands of years his very death and his resurrection. You could call your own resurrection if you wanted to. That means you got no power to do it. If you, if you could call a resurrection and call it up, would you die? No, you'd be like, you'd just plant April Fool's on people. Have everybody come to your funeral, you'd be like, you got power over it. Ah, just kidding, you step up, make them freak out. No, you wouldn't, you have no power over that. You hear this, that the scriptures called it, Jesus fulfilled it. It's true. Verse 4, then he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The Bible called it. Jesus fulfilled it. And then verse 5, and then he appeared to Cephas. So not only is he raised, and it wasn't some ethereal raise, he appeared to people. And we know he ate fish and he saw people, so he appeared to Peter, the one who had rejected him and who had, who had basically um, did, that left him and denied him three times. He appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. So not just the disciples. In verse 6, it says, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. There has never been in the history of the world a mass hallucination. Hasn't. Not 500 people saying the same thing. That's called eyewitness. Then it goes, most of whom are still alive, though some are falling asleep. You know why he mentions that? He's like, you can go, you can go see these witnesses. They're still here. This is eyewitness account. Then he appeared to 500 brothers. I mean, then it says, verse 7, then he appeared to James, who was his half-brother, then to all the apostles. Last of all, one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So here's the thing. He appeared to these, all these people. There's eyewitnesses accounts that Jesus has raised. Those eyewitnesses, most of whom died preaching it, and they, if you, you wouldn't die for a lie, and not everyone, there'd be at least one person that'd be like, ah, this is, I'm not dying for this. But hundreds of thousands of people at the first century died, gave their lives. It's eyewitness testimony. The scriptures called it. He fulfilled it. Predictions. These people eyewitnessed it and gave their lives for it. And then finally, there was a man named Paul who wrote this chapter who used to persecute Christians and kill them. He hated Christianity. He hated Jesus. He was trying to snuff it out as a lie. And Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And now he becomes an apostle and he tells it everywhere. And changed lives are evidence that he is raised. So I want you to know something. Either Christianity is false and of no importance, and our faith is vain, our preaching in vain. There's no hope for your sins. There's no reason to show up, or he is raised. And there is more reason to believe he is raised than to believe any fact in the world. He is raised. He is risen. And that's why Paul can say, our faith is in vain, our preaching's in vain. Our faith is in vain. 
We're misrepresenting God. We're still in our sins. Death is the final word. Christians are pitiful. But all of that is false because of verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so here's what I want you to see. Because Christ is raised, our preaching is not in vain. It has content and weight. There is a weight to it. That's why when you hear Christ preach, there's a very famous story. Benjamin Franklin was not a believer in God. He was an agnostic, so he believed that there was a God, but he did not believe in Jesus Christ. And there was a man by the name of George Whitfield, a powerful preacher. And Ben Franklin would re- regularly go hear George Whitfield preach. And they'd ask Franklin, Mr. Franklin, do you ascribe to, to Mr. Whitfield's beliefs? And he says, no. But I know he does. And he was attracted to the weight of scripture. And I want you to know this. Truth persuades by the weight of its own reality. Let me say that to you again. Truth persuades by the weight of its own reality. And the reality of the resurrection is it has power. There was power in the resurrection of Jesus. And our preaching is is with power, not because of oration skills, but because of a risen Jesus. Our preaching is not in vain because Christ is raised. It has content. Our faith is not in vain. It is powerful. It's the power of God to salvation. The gospel is, and us believing in the goodness of Jesus, it takes us from death to life. It takes us from being orphans in our sins to being sons and daughters of God. It takes us from death to life. And then it says this, if, if, if Christ is raised, then we're not mis- misrepresenting God. We're telling it like it is. See, we're the most bigoted people in the world unless Christ is raised. Then we're the most honest. Because you know why? We let our truth be dictated, or truth be dictated by the one who is raised. And we are bound to tell the truth because he is raised and shows that he is true. So we're telling it like it is, folks. If Jesus is raised, and he is, then death is not the final word. We will be raised. In fact, that's what he says in verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Christ is raised, and if you're in Christ, you will be raised. So here's the thing. Death is not the final word. If you're in Christ, you immediately go, and your soul is in the presence of God until the day when he raises your body and you're combined again. He will resurrect you. Death is not the end. I put my sweet grandmother in the ground. Got to do the funeral a couple of months ago. I still got her picture hanging up in my house. I, I see it every day. She loved me. She loved me so much. But I know this, and this is not because I'm a sentimental person. I'm not. I hate Hallmark movies, okay? I hate schmaltz. You ask my wife, I'm the most opposite of a sentimental person. In fact, I, think, I hate sentimentality, okay? If you love it, God bless you, but I hate it, okay? And so this one, I want you to know this because I'm not one of those guys, let's have a precious moments time, okay, where you can just feel good about yourself, okay? I don't like those feelings, okay? I don't want people to, like, to manipulate my emotions, but here's what, I, want, here's what I, I believe. When I see her, she had firm hope in Jesus, and I will see her again. Because Christ is raised, not because I really hope it's going to be like that. I really believe. It doesn't matter. Christ is risen. And if he is raised, and I will be raised because I am in him. And that, if Christ is risen, death is not the final word. If Christ is risen, you're not in your sins anymore. 
There is a way for sins to be forgiven and atoned for, and it is through the blood of Jesus, and it's not by being good. It's by trusting in his sacrifice once for all. It is finished, done, paid the bill. You believe it. You receive it. You are clean. You get his righteousness. It's nothing you did. It's nothing you earned. It's all his grace. You're not in your sins if he is raised. And we are not pitiful, people. Christians are not pitiful if Jesus is raised. We are privileged. We are blessed and highly favored. We are sons and daughters of God. And you can kill us, but you can't stop us. You got to know this, that Jesus, being raised from the dead, gives us eternal life. That you can kill us now, but we're going to come back. We will be raised. We're not pitiful. We actually are making, we're making the most sense. We are giving up what we can't keep to get what we cannot lose. Oh, what is, what is wasting 60 years, what is using 60 years of your life of suffering and making Jesus known and sacrifice for what is to come, which is being with God, which is being raised with him, which is a new creation. And what you are losing here, if you don't, judgment, separation from God eternally. See, this is a big question. I want, to point, I, want, I want you to understand this today. Kids are awesome, but they make terrible decisions. Let me say that again. Kids are awesome, but they make terrible decisions because they don't understand. For example, have you ever had the urge to drink Drano or eat a Tide Pod? Like they actually had to put this out. Put your Tide Pods away because they look appealing to people. And they're like legislation being passed that, that people should make Tide Pods look less appealing, like candy. I was like, kids are awesome, but they make terrible decisions. Why do you have to lock your cabinets up? Because kids, especially toddlers, like lemmings. Oh, a knife! Oh, you're like, no! Why? You know this to be true. They're awesome, but they make terrible decisions. They try to kill themselves regularly. If you have a two-year-old and you put a pile of cash over here, I mean millions of dollars, and you put a pile of candy over here worth about a couple hundred dollars, what are they going to pick every time? Unless your kid is like that one greedy two-year-old with like a monocle and a top hat. Like, oh, money, okay? That's like the 1%, okay? They're going to go towards that candy. Is that a terrible decision? Yes, because money can be exchanged for goods and services, including candy. And you can have way more candy with the cash than you can with the pile right there. Why are they going to pick the candy? Why do they do that? Because they fail to see the importance and the value of the thing that they don't choose. And I want to tell you that today, if you, after you have heard this, you are now at a crisis point, a fork in the road. What do I mean by that? You're at a time of a difficult and important decision. It must be made. When you hear the gospel and you hear it clearly, there's a point of decision that must be made. You're at a crisis point. It's time to make up your mind. Either Jesus is bogus, 
Christianity is a crutch. It's not worth my time or attention. I need to make the most of my life because when it's over, there's just nothing but the black abyss of nothingness. That's exactly the truth. You, just, you must decide. Is Jesus, is this all this bogus? Christianity is a crutch. People use it because they're too afraid. They need a fairy tale because they're too afraid to face the darkness. Christ isn't raised. This is all a bunch of fairy tales. Or, Jesus is risen. He's the Son of God. In Him is life and resurrection. And He demands and deserves your allegiance, love, and your life. Anything less is unacceptable. In fact, He would say this. People would come to Him and say, Lord, I'll follow you, but first. And He said, nope. You follow me or nothing at all. You have to love me more than father, mother, sister, brother, or you have no part in me. Which makes sense only if he is raised and if he is Lord. And he is. And so here is where we stand. We stand in a crisis point, a fork in the road. I'm going to invite the band to come up because we're going to celebrate and we're going to worship and we're going to think in a minute. We're at a crisis point. And here's where we lie. A decision must be made. Jesus... Christianity is either of no importance or it's of infinite importance. It's not moderately important. And you need to take a step. For some of you, if you've not believed in Jesus, you need to put your faith in him today. In a moment as we sing, you can call out to him in prayer. It doesn't have to, you don't have to change your position physically to come to him. In fact, the Bible says, although call upon the name of the Lord, and in fact, here's this, you can call upon him out loud or in your spirit to him. He will hear you, and you call upon him and say, Lord, I repent of my sins and my self-love, and I trust you as the only way, and I will follow you. And if that is you today, you call out to him. I want you to come down and see me at the end of the service. I'd love to talk to you more about what that is. If you're confused, I would like to do the same thing. Also, if you don't want to connect today in your bulletins, there's a way to connect with us and, and a way to connect with an elder that we can make sure that you understand who Christ is. It's a decision point for others of you. There's been a lot of fence sitting. And the call of Christ is to give it all or nothing. And I call us to give it away because here's the thing. He's worthy. He's worthy. The end of the book, end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 5. Everybody's waiting for history to be undone, for somebody to open the scroll. Everybody's looking for a way for history to culminate. Nobody can, nobody can have it culminate until the Lamb shows up. Jesus, the one who was slain but risen. They said, who could open the scrolls? And the myriad of heaven, they cry, he's worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to, to own history. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is he. And he is worth giving up everything for because he is raised and he is risen. He is worthy. Don't stay in your sins for one second longer. Don't stay away from him for one more minute. He deserves and demands your allegiance. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Don't let it be you doing it begrudgingly. Come to him, the lamb who was slain, the one who is worthy, the one who was raised, the one who is coming. Don't make a terrible decision. Come to Christ. We're going to stand.
going to pray. We're going to sing. Father, Father, thank you for the Son. Thank you that Christ is risen and our faith is not futile. There's power in the gospel. God, call people out of darkness into light. Let us celebrate who Christ is. You're good. Your love endures forever.